It's gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Lift off. on Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it. He got it. Same my first rodeo. Redacted. 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 Taos the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game and he hits it. The corner. PJ Tucker. Doors by Goldrich. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. Redacted. 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 <laughs> Let's get it. Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. What a development we have here. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, and also the blog at ClutchCityCR. And here to discuss this stunning development in Houston Rockets basketball news is none other than Nikias Duncan of BasketballNews.com and many other outlets. He's got a very impressive uh, byline. How's it going, Nikias? Uh, it is going well, man. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. I, I'm excited to talk about this news. Now, I say excited, and I say that because this isn't a uh, – this was doom and gloom for about five minutes, I think, on Twitter when the news officially broke that Russ wanted to trade away from Houston because the immediate speculation became, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? The, the tweet from Shams or from Woj about Harden also wanting a trade is bound to happen, right? I'm, I'm sure that was everybody's thought process. And then five minutes later, we see the tweet drop that Harden is committed to Houston for the next year, which was the saving grace for myself and many other Rockets fans. Oh, yeah, that has to be like a big weight off the shoulders. Um, the franchise has been shaped in James Harden's image. So, I mean, he his friendship with Russell Westbrook is probably the biggest reason that Russ is a rocket for now anyway, to bring him in. Um, they fully committed to that small ball style to try to accommodate both of those guys. First, to accommodate James to bring Russ in, and then flipping Capella going smaller and trying to afford Russ some more space just so that partnership will work a little more cleanly. So, obviously, hearing Russ once out gives you kind of a bittersweet feeling. Um, you're reeling off of Chris Paul having the year that he had in OKC. Um, what he meant to that team back in the 2017-18 campaign when they almost got to the finals. So doing going from Paul to Westbrook and then Westbrook wanting out after a year is kind of tough, but knowing that James Harden is still committed is still a pretty big deal. You know, and I think the really interesting thing when it comes to this dynamic between Harden and Russ, as you mentioned, and as many Rockets fans are familiar with, is the fact that Harden did play a huge part in getting Russ here. Um, you know, that, that I guess, kind of, relationship that fell apart between he and Chris Paul at the end of last NBA season or the prior NBA season and not being able to get over the hump with Chris Paul in two years of being his teammate. Russ becomes available after PG forces his way out of Oklahoma City and it's hey that's Russ that's my guy that's my boy I want to play with him go get him and then we see just kind of how rocky that pairing worked and now again this is an exciting opportunity because for, for Harden, for the Houston Rockets, the fit was never really there. It, there, was, there were times when it kind of worked, but overall I think this is a burden that is lifted off the Rockets' shoulders because myself and many others 
shared the sentiment that there was no way that the Rockets could feasibly trade Russell Westbrook without pissing off James Harden. But now it seems that Russ wants out because he wants to return to this, you know, preconceived role or the, the role that he had when he was with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder of being the primary ball handler, the floor general, which I, I don't think he's capable of being on, you know, being the best player on a, on a team because the other top players, he doesn't pair well with them. He can't have the ball in his hands. All right. I think Russ is, I don't even want to say it's inability. It's kind of like a lack of want to in terms of moving off the ball. Um, obviously he has the physical tools to be a great cutter. Um, he's a smart, generally a smart player. Uh, memes aside, but just him kind of walking around 35 feet from the basket when he doesn't have the ball, um, that never really works. So I think the lack of off-ball value there makes it tough for him to be anything other than a primary, and I can see how he would be frustrated playing alongside James Harden with the way that he plays, even though it's as effective as it is. So, you know, I've shared some of, some of my thoughts at, at the, you know, as we're, you know, a little bit into this pod, but, uh, you know, immediately as the news dropped, what was your immediate reaction? Because there was, you know, there have been some of those rumors swirling on Twitter and, and you know, some not, you know, unverified, you know, low follow count, you know, accounts on Twitter have been saying things like, oh, well, you know, Harden and Russ are unhappy. There, there's issues in Houston, that kind of thing. And then suddenly we get the bombs today and we see that, you know, Russ is unhappy. And specifically, uh, you know, uh, Kelly Eco of The Athletic had a phenomenal piece just dropped not long ago uh, as we're recording this uh, late Thursday evening, or I apologize, late, late Wednesday evening, I should say. And, you know, highlighting that there was, there's been a lot of frustration in Houston from the role players to the stars, the accountability of the people here in Houston from, you know, and a lot of it kind of points towards James Harden. But what was your immediate reaction you know upon hearing this news that Russ wants out um honestly my first thought is that this is just kind of sad just to see how this era of Rockets basketball is kind of on the tail end is what it feels like because again even starting with James Harden getting there in 2012 like they've been a playoff team on the up and up they had the Harden Dwight Howard era you eventually get Chris Paul in there they attempt to play the Warriors tougher than anyone and succeeded that for the most part. Like they were the one team that consistently went at them, did not cower when they added Kevin Durant. Um, again, represent that 17 18 campaign before, right before KD got there. Like that's, they were the only team to knock off. I mean, to nearly knock them off. And then you had the 27 missed threes or whatever. And just to see them go from that high to, Chris Paul looking like a shell of himself, then making the Russell Westbrook trade, um, kind of bowing out with a little bit of a whimper in the second round against the Lakers this year. Then Mike D'Antoni leaves, Daryl Morey leaves. You bring in the new guys, and now you get this Russ news. It just seems like things have snowballed so quickly. So my first thought was like, wow, this is sad. And then it just kind of goes into, okay, what is James Harden going to do if Russ wants out? You know, and it, so I think that especially if you're looking at it from the standpoint of what direction could this franchise go, and we're absolutely going to get to that point and talk about, you know, some potential landing spots, some destinations for Russell Westbrook. So if you're sitting there uh, anxious to hear about some potential trade destinations for him, don't you worry. We've got a mountain of them and a mountain <laughs> of suggestions to get to. Um, I apologize for uh, blowing up your your mentions there on Twitter, Nikias. But uh, anyways, <laughs> um, so we've got plenty of suggestions to get to. 
But I also, again, I view this, and I, I want your opinion on this. I view this as a positive for the Rockets because, frankly, this is an organization that bent over backwards to accommodate Russell Westbrook, to accommodate the fact that he's a non-shooter trading their up-and-coming center in Clint Capella, which I do still think was a good trade because it's harder to find quality 3 and D players in the league than it is a rim-running center like Clint Capella. So I do think the Robert Covington trade still makes sense in the long term because in the mm-hmm. short term, you can, you can fill that void with a, a Nerlens Noel twi- type or maybe Chris Boucher, somebody like that. But looking at this in the immediate here and now, I think this actually opens up the window for James Harden and a potential – championship for the Rockets at least within this next you know one to two years if Harden is still committed to Houston then had they still continued on with the James Harden Russell Westbrook experiment what are your thoughts on that I think that's fair um when they initially made the trade for Russell Westbrook I actually wrote a piece for a dime um, detailing how the pairing could work I think what we saw from Chris Paul in that last playoff run was a guy that couldn't generate separation really at all and once you swap him out with a guy like Russell Westbrook that can get to the rim on a whim, I thought that that would take a little bit of the creation burden off of James Harden, put him in, give him some more catch-and-shoot opportunities. Just having that kind of two-headed monster to get to the rim, create catch-and-shoot opportunities for others, I think it was going to be a, a great fit. Um, and it was at times, but it was a kind of a rocky relationship on the court, and now you're seeing kind of the off-the-court effects um, enter in. So I do think it's fair – to question what Russell Westbrook's role on a championship level team is. Um, I agree with you that he's not good enough to be a number one option on a championship team. And if you're sliding him into a number two role, like he needs a very specific number one guy. And I think more importantly, a system that encourages movement just to kind of make things easier for him. And I'm not sure Houston has that. So I think that also played into some of the frustration Russell Westbrook had with the offense. I think uh, that's something that Kelly Eco um, mentioned in his piece, just the frustration with the offensive flow in general. Um, so swap, but swapping out Russell Westbrook is going obviously going to depend on what the return is. But if you do sw- substitute him with some guys that can cut, that can find cracks off ball, that can space the floor, that can defend, um, you might not get up to the raw talent level of Russell Westbrook, but those fits combined with whatever scheme um, Coach Silas implements, if it does feature more movement, more motion stuff, then I think it can be a situation to where the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. You know, it, it reminds me, it really does look like the, this current iteration of the Rockets could be potentially headed for a kind of a rehashing of that 2016-2017 version, the first year under head coach Mike D'Antoni and kind of that new era of Rockets basketball where they, you know, prioritized offense, you know, coming off the Kevin McHale years, um, really highlighting James Harden's strengths, putting the ball in his hands to be the primary facilitator, all of that. If you get away from Russ, if you bring in, you know, a couple serviceable role players, you know, maybe not necessarily bringing back another star talent, but bringing back, you know, serviceable role players who can complement James Harden with quality shooting plus defending, things like that. Um, Harden can be the guy to get you to that point. And he's a more versatile, uh, you know, James Harden, a James Harden who has grown quite a bit since that first year under Mike D'Antoni. But talking about potential Russell Westbrook trades, we've got, I already mentioned it, we've got a mountain of them. And I want to hear some of the initial thoughts that Nikias has. And we'll get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at Built Go. 
Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every single day. Look, Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. They come in these little like one and a half ounce, easy to take with you little packages. You can put it in your pocket, just keep it with you throughout the day, throw it in your briefcase for the most like laser point focused presentation ever, or just, you know, throw it in your golf bag or your gym bag, take it with you as you're, you know, getting through your workout or going through the back nine. Um, it's basically five hour energy without that same crashing feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's way better for your body than any of those little, you know, energy drinks or five hour energies, whatever. They come in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, which is my favorite chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint, and you can check it out. Just go to builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your very next order. So again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. And we're back here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. If you want to tell me how you're feeling about Russell Westbrook demanding a trade out of Houston, which is the most ridiculous, it's the most 2020 thing I can think of, honestly, at this point, call us 713-487-5457. You can leave a message for the show. We'll run it back right here on the pod itself. Now, chatting with Nikias Duncan of basketballnews.com, man, tell me, of I'm sure so you've spent time on Twitter since, since this is all broken out of the potential suggested trade destinations for Russ we're not going to get into the mountain of suggestions that we have uh, sitting in our mentions quite just yet but of the places that you've seen suggested which are let's go with which is the most outlandish trade that you've seen so far and which is the most realistic one that you kind of saw it from both sides and you thought okay I could see that working for both teams um outlandish I feel is Miami like I know Russ was you're just you're just saying that because of Tej. <laughs> that's the only reason you're saying that <laughs> no I, I've been I've been hearing been going back and forth with a few friends uh, about Russ in Miami especially since they were linked earlier in the year um I thought it was a bit questionable for them to bring Russell Westbrook in back then just because of mostly because of the salary and what that would mean for Miami's plans in 2021 but especially after the season that Russ just had, which was good overall, but pretty up and down. And then the playoffs got a little bit of rough, even though, you know, injuries and things played a part in that. Um, I definitely don't see Miami trading for a guy like Russell Westbrook now. Um, they seem to have their top two in place. They have bigger plans for next year. Um, they have some young guys that have hit um, in Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Like, I, I don't see Miami putting up um, – I don't see them offering anything that Houston would want. And I think the fit is a bit questionable now. So I would put my, pick Miami as the questionable one. Um, as far as realistic, uh, it's kind of I'm kind of torn between the Clippers. It would be kind of interesting to see how they match salary there. But also Charlotte makes a lot of sense for a team that wants to get out of the bottom. There's already that Jordan connection, the Jordan brand connection with Russ and Michael Jordan. Um, just on the court, um, Charlotte does need – they need a primary that can actually get to the rim. Um, Devontae Graham had a borderline um, most improved player of the year award season. Um, great pull-up shooter, good passer. Um, doesn't get to the rim often at all and doesn't finish particularly well either. So having a guy like Russ that can just get to the rim whenever he wants, I think would open up a lot for those role guys there and the young guys there. Kind of um, establish a pick in order there. Um, so I would say between the Clippers and the Hornets are probably the two teams that make the most sense for me. 
Now, that Clippers option remains so interesting because that was kind of a rumored spot and has been for the last few days, you know, as as the Clippers have, uh, you know, apparently been reported to have expressed interest in Russell Westbrook. Now, the question is, how do you, if you're the Clippers, do you try to, you know, one, can you even try to match salary and get back Russ without giving up? Paul George. And I think if you're sitting here as a Rockets fan listening to this, you want Paul George back in any trade where Russ lands in a Clipper uniform. And at that point, I don't know from the Clippers standpoint of things how realistic that is. But it's interesting because Paul George is a guy who's had some serious uh, underperforming, uh, you know, moments in the playoffs. I mean, he's not called pandemic P for nothing. And (laughs) so if maybe just maybe he's rubbed enough people the wrong way with his performance this past year and looking at him historically that maybe they decide that it might be worth it to change direction and try and grab Russell Westbrook, get that extra year of security. Because if things go wrong this next year for the Clippers, both Kawhi and PG can walk. So is it crazy to think that a PG for Russ swap could take place? Uh, I would say I don't think it happens. I don't think it's completely crazy. Um, if we remember going back to uh, the Clippers acquiring Kawhi Leonard, um, the talk there with Kawhi trying to get to the Clippers, Paul George wasn't his first choice to be a sidekick. That was Jimmy Butler. So I don't think those two are as tied together as it may seem. Um, if the Clippers are serious about making some wholesale changes at the top to kind of show Kawhi, hey, we're serious about winning and we really want to win the championship – um, that combined with the rumbles that Paul George didn't really wasn't a super great fit in the locker room and there was some annoyance with him maybe those kind of things add up and maybe it becomes a little bit more palatable for Paul George to get traded but I think realistically if that's a thing that's going to happen the Clippers are going to try to pair Russ with those two and try to make a big three and I do think Russ helps there. Again, just the element of being able to get to the rim. I think one of the issues the Clippers had last year, at least offensively, they were, you know, in terms of offensive rating, they were a good offense. But it also felt like an offense without direction at times. And it felt like a lot of your turn, my turn. Um, they didn't really have a guy that could break down a defense. You know, Paul George can get his own. Kawhi can get his own. And if teams send doubles, he can kind of help from there. Neither of those guys naturally, you know, got to the rim, forced two guys that way and then set off those chain sequences to create open catch-and-shoot looks. So I think Russ is a guy that can do that. And, you know, depending on the kind of contract that Montrez Harrell could get in, like, a sign-and-trade, if you pair him together with a Pat Bev and maybe a Landry Shamit or something like that, maybe that's enough, you know, to give Houston some depth. Um, if they are able to get a guy like Landry Shamit in the deal, that's a young piece that, um, you know, that adds some value as an off-ball mover, as a shooter, a smart team defender. And then that that just kind of works for both sides. You get the star power for the Clippers. You get depth in shooting um, for the Rockets, and I think that helps both teams out. Now, one one other one, and this is this is one that got you know floated around not only by myself but a handful of people. And this is probably the the craziest one, but it it's it's one of those where maybe it's just crazy enough that it might work, right? Russ commented that he would you know be open to going back to Oklahoma City reportedly. Mm-hmm. And what if, uh, you know, hypothetically, 
you just clean swap Russ back for Chris Paul. Like Chris and James <laughs> realize that they've had the most success in their respective careers with each other side by side. They put aside whatever, you know, off the court differences they may have had in their, in their friendship, in their relationship. They go back to just the professional relationship that they, that they had mm-hmm. and they, they run it back with, with a, a Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul swap. Oh, man, that would be fun. That would be some great Twitter conversation. I uh, can't say I see that. Um, if the reports are true and there are accountability issues within the Rockets organization and within their locker room, and Chris Paul and James Harden have already kind of butted heads some, I'm not sure that's going to get better, especially since Russ wants out of there and he's a lot closer to James Harden already than Chris Paul is. I'm not sure that I can see a world to where they – kind of reconnect in that way you know and i think that's that's the the elephant in the room is unfortunately now one the 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 narratives around the whole is james harden a bad teammate situation are going to uh you know everybody's gonna be churning out those narratives left and right now because of this now i don't think that's the proper way to phrase it because i don't necessarily think that james harden is a bad teammate but I do think there's something to be said for a lack of accountability on Harden's part. Do you or do you not agree with that? Because uh, we've seen it, and now I'll, I'll, I'll plead my case just a little bit further, because mm-hmm. we saw it back during the Dwight Howard era where neither guy wanted to be held accountable. Both guys had this kind of, you know, Dwight Howard is just naturally a goofy kind of personality, you know, more of a, you know, he's out there to have fun kind of thing. Um, you know, wasn't really you know, a mature co-star for James Harden. Then you move on past the Dwight Howard era and you move into the area where it's just James Harden, no co-star to share the court with. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, he's, he's the star player. He's the franchise guy. He's going to be able to command the locker room any way he sees fit. So then enter stage left Chris Paul, who right. does start holding James Harden accountable, who, who calls him out when he's not performing the way that he needs to. And then you have Chris Paul, who unfortunately can't stay healthy, so he can't back up his you know, calling out of Harden with his play. And then you get all the way to the playoffs 2019, where he comes up short again, has you know, a really terrible series all the way up until game six against the Warriors, and Harden is fed up with it. He's fed up with being called out by a guy who you know, can't go toe-to-toe with him on the basketball court. So he says, get him out of here. He brings in Russ because he thinks he's got another guy who he can be buddy-buddy with, who he doesn't have to fight with, who can also give him a better ceiling. Uh, you know, more raw talent than potentially Chris Paul. And now Russ starts holding him accountable. Russ, you know, starts calling him out saying, hey, this is everything we need to do better. You need to do better. And, you know, calling him out, you know, visually, you can see it on the court, the exchanges these guys are having. And so Mm -hmm. maybe he just doesn't like that. Maybe he doesn't want to have to be held accountable to anybody other than himself. I think there's something to that. What I'm struggling with is how to balance acknowledging that James may be tough to deal with and may be tough to play with in terms of his play style without completely trashing him altogether. Because I think a lot of the criticism of James Harden goes a step too far. Um, Just in terms of the play style, the isolation heavy style. I'm sorry, dare I say a step back too far? <laughs> Sorry, that was horrible. I, oh, I hate it. I hated it the moment I said it. <laughs> look, look, man. If anyone's going to appreciate that kind of pun, it would be me. I, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm glad I have you here for it. Then I, I am all. I am here for it. But yeah, like I think you have to acknowledge that it's James Harden prefers to play a very specific way. 
And I think this, the floor on that is extremely high. Um, again, he's one of the best offensive players of our generation. But on the flip side, it it's hard to establish rhythm at times, and that's really stood out as the Rockets have gone later in the playoff series. Um, it's James Harden has to take accountability for some of it because some of the shortfalls that they've had, uh, especially looking back to that dreadful night that they missed those 27 straight three-pointers, like the way that they play, at least in part, is a reflection of him and the way that he wants to operate. And if you, if you kind of dictate the, the terms of engagement that way and you struggle to be held accountable, then there's just a ceiling on how far you can go. So I do think that there needs to be a little bit of soul searching on his part. On the flip side, I'm not sure the Rockets have completely um, helped him out in terms of the guys that he put around him. Like there are a lot of one-way guys on the roster. Um, I talk about the need for like off-ball movement within the offensive uh, within the offensive system. You have to have the personnel to do that as well. You can't fit square pegs into round holes. So I think the front office does need to do a better job, especially this offseason, putting those kind of versatile pieces in place. So that would allow them to have a more flexible style. And maybe that takes burden off of James, and then you get the happy medium there. So I think there needs to be a little bit of soul searching for everyone, honestly. And, that, you know, I actually have a, a really – you know, interesting follow-up for you on that commentary because I think that was a really interesting train of thought. And so I'll tell you what, we're going to hit this next break and coming up in just a moment, we'll have our final segment where we get to the mountain of trade suggestions as well as I want to follow up on a couple more topics. We'll get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. That way you can get it as soon as possible rather than waiting and sitting around for me to start yelling about it on social media as I usually do. Now, Nikias, I, I kind of want to keep going with that train of thought because to me, this is going to be such an interesting upcoming season especially I mean obviously especially now with the Russell Westbrook you know situation and you know is he is he going to be in a Rockets jersey at the start of next season will they find a way to uh, trade him because that's not a foregone conclusion it's not guaranteed that he will be trade traded before the next before the start of the next season you know right. they have to find a willing trade partner and ideally uh, something that isn't just you know a, a poo-poo platter in return for for Russell Westbrook so at least if they want to maintain the aspirations of uh, you know at least having a puncher's chance at a title during the waning you know year or two of James Harden's prime so to me though the interesting situation is with Steven Silas, you know, a new head coach in charge, a new, new sheriff in, in town. What we've seen for the last four years under Mike D'Antoni is an offense that slowly and, you know, more became more and more devolved into, uh, you know, just this isolation heavy James Harden fest, right? I feel like that's a fair assertion of the Rockets offense and where it stands uh, more or less today, right? Right. So with Silas, you know, a guy who prioritizes, you know, offensive creativity, ingenuity, you know, going back and watching some of the ways the Mavericks utilized their offense this past season um, with a player who is, you know, not too dissimilar from James Harden in Luka Doncic in this, their style of play and how they command, you know, uh, opposing defenses and get pretty much whatever they want on a nightly basis. Um, and, you know, they have that kind of slow, methodical style of play about them. 
I'm interested to see, and I think this next season is going to be very telling, if we see the exact same thing we've seen, you know, the last couple of years with James Harden, where it continues to be an ISO fest, or if he is willing to adapt and actually kind of mold his game and become a little bit more fluid, uh, you know, a little bit more off ball movement, maybe bringing back, you know, the mid range selectively at times um, to become a little bit less predictable offensively. Mm -hmm. And I think if he's not willing to do that, it shows that it's an indictment on James Harden versus if he is willing to do it, then it becomes an indictment on Mike D'Antoni and the fact that he never really uh, gave Harden or gave the Rockets a system to counter that ISO fest, if that makes sense. I hope I did a good job kind of putting that point out there, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. No, no, no. That definitely makes sense. Um, again, there's going to have to be a level of buy-in from Harden to do that to give up the ball a little bit, to move or not just play off ball, but move around off ball when the situation calls for it. Um, if he buys in and you get Steven Simons implementing more off ball stuff, as you mentioned, uh, Dallas's offense, I mean, they just had the highest offensive rating in NBA history. Um, a lot of that is design. A lot of that is the sheer talent of Luka Doncic. Um, but I think more importantly, kind of highlights the need for shooting for Houston, which is a bit ironic considering how they've kind of pioneered the three ball in this era, just in terms of volume. But when was the last time Houston had legit a great shooting team? They've taken a lot and they've made a, not, made a lot, but they haven't had a lot of elite or near elite shooters. They just kind of overwhelmed teams with the amount of threes. And now that teams across the league are just taking so many threes that kind of the advantage that they had in that area isn't there in the same way. So I think there needs to be an emphasis this offseason in bringing in actual shooters. And I think that will help open up the offense a little bit more. And once you have more true spacing, and that's forcing defenses to really close out and stick closer, that opens up more driving lanes. James Harden can still get those broad shoulders inside of anyone, get to the rim, draw fouls, kick it out when the help comes. That just makes life easier on everyone. What, what, I, what I can't wrap my head around, though, is, you know, Russ says he's unhappy with the, the style of offense in Houston. And I can, I can picture it to an extent because, okay, it is very isolation heavy. Um, but he still got his fair share while Harden was sitting where he got the ball in his hands and he was able to, you know, play – you know, relatively however he wanted, whether he wanted to face up and drive, whether he wanted to post up smaller guards, operate mm -hmm. out of the mid-range, he had free reign to operate how he wanted to while Harden was on the bench. And there was a fair bit of, you know, your turn, my turn between Russ and Harden when they shared the court together, when they weren't staggered. But what I cannot wrap my head around, and maybe you can shine a light on this, um, is, is it, Crazy to have expected Russ to have played performed better in those four on three situations against the Lakers because I, I, you know, you're watching James Harden getting double teamed at half court, and there are, you know, sects of sects of wow, that's not a word I should try and use in a podcast, anyways. <laughs> Freudian slip, I'm trying to use the word that's spelled S E C T S, anyways. Get your minds out the gutters. Um, there are sections we'll go with that of Rockets fans and they're kind of divided in the sense that some think that Westbrook dropped the ball in the playoffs and didn't live up to what he was supposed to be able to do in those four on three scenarios and others and myself at times you know being unhappy with James Harden and his inability or at times even unwillingness to do anything other than float around at the half court line after the ball leaves his hands so just mm -hmm. give me your thoughts on that and kind of how that played out and maybe you know what all went on there. 
Um, in short, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think, again, you have to acknowledge that Russ, you know, before the bubble started, did have COVID. He did get hurt. So he was working through a lot, trying to get himself into game shape, not just game shape, but playoff shape in the middle of the playoffs. So that was tough on him. But I agree, he did botch a lot of those four threes. The Lakers just flat out didn't guard him at times. So I think that just really highlighted the lack of off-ball value that he had. Um, one of the reasons I felt that the pairing could work, going back to the article I wrote preseason, was that if teams did decide to trap James Harden, and you give a, you give a guy like Russell Westbrook, who has been an assist leader, um, you know, again, can get to the rim whenever he wants, you give a, a guy like Russell Westbrook of heavy dosage of four on threes, three on twos, two on ones, then you're just not going to be able to guard Houston at all because James Harden can ISO against anyone. And if you're giving Russell Westbrook advantages every time down, then you're just going to create good look after good look after good look. But it got to the point in the Lakers series where Russ had no chance of hitting any kind of jumper, not even the pull-up jumper that he's gotten comfortable with. He couldn't hit any jumper, so they just flat out ignored him when he didn't have the ball. And when he did have the ball, he was tentative on those mid-range looks he was flinging the ball across, flinging the ball all over the lot, turning it over. Um, there were some misses at the rim, so he was just kind of a shell of himself, and that made it easier for the Lakers to trap James Harden. On the flip side, James Harden has, at least in his Rockets later in his Rockets tenure, he's never been a guy that moves after giving the ball up. Um, the Steph Curry comparison has been there all the time, in which you know Steph gets trapped like that. He's going to dump it off to the roll man while they offer on the four and three, and then he's roaming the perimeter or he's cutting across. He's making himself open, so if the defense, you know, rotates and they swing the ball, he can the ball can find him again for an open look. James Harden gets trapped and he just stands there. So if Russ is caught, or if the defense like the Lakers in the second round where they were able to recover after trapping, then there's just nothing there, and it just kind of devolves into a late clock isolation, and the offense dies from there, and it just made it incredibly easy to guard with Russ being a non-shooter and there not being any off-ball movement. So I think there has to be a greater commitment to James moving off the ball, especially after he gives it up. But also, again, if you're going to trade a guy like Russell Westbrook, you have to get some guys that can shoot, um, that can move off ball, and that can make quick decisions. You know, and, and I think as you as you highlighted there, you know, the, the fact that he – kind of the Steph Curry comparison, right? And I don't think anybody, you know, in their right mind is asking James Harden to be Steph Curry, to run around, you know, a million screens on a single possession – and, and, you know, catch the ball and immediately shoot it up, you know, from 30 feet. Um, nobody's looking for that. But people are looking for James to be a little bit more involved, as you said, you know, not just giving the ball up and standing at half court and doing nothing. And I think that's where it circles back to, my, you know, what I prompted you about Silas and this next season. And we will really get a good look at, you know, is this a James Harden issue? Is this a coaching issue? Kind of where were those lines drawn previously? And, and that's what's exciting to me about the Steven Silas high is you know what direction this offense takes what steps are you know put in place to make life easier for James Harden but I think that we've uh, we, we've kind of covered a lot of bases here I want to get into some of these potential trade proposals uh, because we've got a a lot of them to talk about uh, but I'm, I just want to hit on a few of them some of the ones that kind of jump out uh, at me right away and I will give a little bit of credit to uh, just a shout out to Scorpio Fitness because he is one of the uh, absolute out there you know Russell Westbrook pessimists on Twitter and he said that he wants credit for uh, uh, manifesting Russ out of Houston uh, through all of his negativity on the app so shout out to Scorpio um, this is for you now his suggestion is trading Russ to Cleveland for Drummond 
and pieces that Houston could then flip possibly down the line for an impact player? Yes or no if you're Cleveland? Um, if you're Cleveland, I think it's a hard no. Um, for Houston, I would also say it's a no, but I would need to know what the pieces are. Like, I don't think Colin Sexton's going anywhere. Yeah, probably um, not. They're, they're not giving up on Darius Garland. Um, I don't think they're – whether they draft number five this year, they're not giving that up for us. So, like, surely Houston – I like Chetty Osmond, but I don't think Houston's going to like Chetty Osmond enough for him to be, like, the young centerpiece in a Russell Westbrook trade. Definitely not. So, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I kind of don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see it. So I, I don't really like that for either side. And again, if those pieces bring in Russell Westbrook, are you going to flip those pieces for something better for Russell Westbrook? And if you can, why wouldn't Cleveland? Absolutely. I, I hear that 100%. Here's an interesting one because we brought up uh, Charlotte earlier, but um, from Andrew, Terry Rozier and Cody Zeller. Uh, I am higher on Cody Zeller than a lot of people. So, like, I would be fine with that. I think there would have to be another piece involved. Again, I don't think Charlotte's giving up, like, number two. Um, they shouldn't give up um, the 2021 pick or unless they're going to, like, heavily protect that. Maybe you try to pry, like, a lighter piece, like one, if not both, of the Martin Twins. Uh, maybe you look at a Dwayne Bacon. Um, try to get – just try to get another wing in there. Um, Miles Bridges. If Charlotte's willing to give up on him, I guess that would mostly depend on what they plan on doing at number two. But uh, that makes sense for me. Um, Terry Rozier was had a sneaky fine year last year. Um, can get to the rim, can shoot threes, is a good point of attack defender. Um, there's definitely use for him. And Cody Zeller has been one of the more underrated rim runners in the league for quite some time now. So if he's healthy, I think he gives them that vertical element that James Harden probably missed a little bit in terms of a pick-and-roll partner that didn't get rid of Clint Capella. So I can see something around those parameters. I kind of I'm, – I'm intrigued by it. I'm not, I'm not completely sold on it just yet. And I, like you said, I think there might need to be one more piece involved. But um, that remains an interesting one. Now, now, here's one that I've seen like six different people tweet at us uh, is uh, Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner for Russ. I mm. don't think Indiana does that deal, but it remains interesting. Yeah, I think that's a slam dunk for Houston. I don't think Indiana does that. I think the question becomes, like, how much does Houston have to add to make that plausible? Like, I would imagine they would want, like, Daniel House. Um, I don't know how many picks Houston had. I don't know if Houston can move a pick. Houston can move. Houston can move one. They can move one pick. They can move their 2022, I believe. or Yeah, they can move one pick. Yeah, like if it's if it's Russ House in the 2022 pick, like maybe Indy says yes because they don't want to pay Oladipo. Um, Miles Turner has been dangled around for two years now, and I don't understand why you would want to trade away a center that can protect the run the way he does and can theoretically shoot, but whatever. So maybe that becomes workable if Houston adds a little bit. I think as suggested, I think that's a no from Indiana. I think that, you know, especially if you're looking at this, I think it's important to remember that, you know, everybody, you know, wants their NBA team to succeed, right? To, to be aspiring towards, you know, pursuing a championship. But at the end of the day, that's not the reality for a lot of teams in the NBA. There are teams that are going to be lottery teams. There's teams that are going to be kind of middling playoff teams and that 
is their version of success, right? Is their goal is, okay, our goal right now is make it to the playoffs. Then our goal next year is, okay, have, you know, be competitive in, in, you know, in the early couple rounds of the playoffs. And then, you know, you build towards, you know, ideally being a championship contender, um, unless you're one of those, you know, one of the big markets, you know, LA or, you know, Boston or, you know, Miami, maybe where you're able to snag a, a big name marquee free agent and suddenly turn the tides in one off season. A lot of those smaller market teams, especially, and some, you know, a, a chunk of the Eastern conference teams, you know, just getting to the playoffs is their season goal. And then, you know, being, you know, making it to the first round and the additional revenue that comes along with that, uh, is important for NBA owners because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business at its heart. So I think it's important to think about a team like uh, the, the Chicago Bulls, who were also rumored alongside Charlotte to be interested in Russ. You know, a team like the Bulls might see Russ as their ticket to some sort of relevance for the next two years. You know, Russ in the Eastern Conference with some shooters around him, that's a bottom, you know, six to eight seed in the East, right? Yeah, it can be. Like, it's just... It's tough because Russ can still at this stage be a floor raiser for a team like Charlotte, like Chicago. But also with Russ being at his age now, like I, I wouldn't want to have Russ on the last year of his contract. Like Russ still should probably be the guy that puts a team over the top, not a team that, you know, that puts them into playoff contention, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, Sure, um, like the Knicks are going to be thrown in there a lot because they have a lot of one- or two-year deals. And it would, I don't think it would cost them an R.J. Barrett or a Mitchell Robinson. So, like, you can make the argument, hey, the Knicks haven't had a star for a long time. They just want to be good. But, like, ultimately, you have to work towards something a little bit higher than a 6, 7, or 8 seed. And, like, I think, you know, as much as the Knicks – in particular, have been a punching line, and I'm going to continue to crack jokes until they're actually good. Like, I do <laughs> think they, you know, we clowned them last year for signing, like, 17 power forwards, but at least they gave those power forwards a bunch of one-plus-one deals so they can maintain their flexibility. I don't see them flipping those kind of contracts for Russ because I think he ends up clashing with the young pieces that they actually care about. And if that's not leading to a championship or a second round appearance, at least, it probably just makes more sense for them to continue to cultivate their young talent, you know, add some smart veterans, um, you know, maybe flip those guys at the deadline and try to accumulate more assets and then swing elsewhere. So here's one more before, before we kind of wrap things up, but the idea of, and I don't think that the Pelicans would want to receive Russ in a direct trade, so you'd have to get a third team involved, but the Pelicans want to move Drew Holiday. So mm -hmm. maybe there's a situation out there where Drew comes to Houston, Russ gets shipped out to the third team, third team sends something, some type of assets, you know, continuing to build for the future type package to the Pelicans. In that world, Drew Holiday, James Harden, how are you feeling about that? And maybe, you know, something else alongside Drew in that trade. Maybe, uh, I don't know if you could stomach throwing J.J. Redick in there. Probably not. I, I, I don't know. But just the idea, again, Drew is the replacement player for Russ alongside Harden. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you're having any sort of locker room issues, I think having replacing that and getting Drew Holiday in there would be a huge positive. He's one of the more respected guys in the entire NBA. Um, again, a great defender, good passer, solid enough shooter, 
can do a little bit of everything, doesn't mind playing off the ball, can operate on ball, just a dog defender. I mean, he's, he's one of the more underrated players in the league, has been one of the best guards in the NBA for quite some time now. I think that would be a slam dunk if you could turn Russ into Drew. But like you mentioned, you would have to involve a third team somehow to give uh, give New Orleans some young assets. And I think that's where it becomes a little bit difficult. Like what – I'm trying to think of what a third team would be. Um, I, and I still think everybody, you know, even though New York seems to be a little bit more – I don't want to say on the up and up, but they've been a little bit uh, more cognizant of what they're doing these days with right. their front office maybe a little bit. I, I do think that everybody has New York pegged as this like – uh, dumping ground for, you know, superstars that are potentially like over the hill and just, you know, go to MSG and, you know, put up fancy points and, you know, highlight real dunks, but lose by 27 every game. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily fair to the Knicks, even though they are the punching bag of the league. Um, but I think that's where most people think of, oh, well, where are you going to send Russ? Just send him to the Knicks and the Knicks can send assets to the other team, right? Yeah, like I don't... <sighs> Again, for joke purposes, we're always going to throw the Knicks in those kind of deals. Like they're they're the kings in that regard, to where you just say you you drum up a purposely bad idea, and when someone calls you out on it, it's like, hey, they're the Knicks, or hey, they're the Kings, and you're just like, well, they have done some pretty dumb things in the past. So. Oh man, the Kings are out here catching strays. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but they've done ridiculous things enough and done it long enough to where it's at least a little bit plausible, which is an indictment on them altogether. But you know, I do think again, the Knicks had a questionable offseason, but they had a purposeful one last offseason. Uh, again, they've been pretty clear about maintaining flexibility. So I don't think they want to ruin that for Russell Westbrook. Um, maybe that's how you get a team like Charlotte involved, or maybe that's how you get Chicago involved. I know they're going to want to consolidate some of their younger pieces at some point. Um, they're just – there's a really odd roster in Chicago. Just a lot of – interesting enough young pieces they don't really fit well together so you can kind of talk yourself into any of them like laurie still has some legit stretch four, maybe stretch five potential wendell carter jr is a really intriguing big if whoever his next coach is actually lets him do things with the ball and if he stays healthy um kobe white flashed some stuff last year even though he's he's basically a shoot first second third and fourth guard right now um like maybe they consolidate some of those young guys and maybe that's the third team that helps you get Drew in Houston and you send Russ there and then they make their run and they still have enough cap space in 2021 to make another splash and then they go from there. Uh, the possibilities are endless at this point, and we will have uh, plenty of that here at Locked on Rockets as we continue to navigate this uh, very interesting time in Houston Rockets basketball in the coming days uh, and weeks as we uh, try and figure out what direction this franchise tries to go. Now, Nikias, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and chat with me today. Uh, go ahead and let our listeners know where they can find all your content at. Um, you can find all of my written content at basketballnews.com. Um, new venture there featuring a bunch of former players, um, former coaches, current players. We have Troy Brown Jr. do some stuff for us, for example. Um, you can just find a lot of interesting content there. I'm doing a free agency series right now. Uh, just had a Rockets piece drop on Friday, looking at some targets that they could have um, at you know, suggested a few shooters that can provide some off-ball value as, off as some cutters as well. So you can check that out. Um, if not, you can just find me on Twitter for basketball and puns at Nikias NBA. 
And that's about it. <laughs> well, again, I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time to uh, be here and react to this uh, crazy day of Rockets news with me. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, uh, as mentioned already, we will continue to cover this and, you know, figure out where this goes, wh you know, what direction the Rockets decide to go in with Russell Westbrook and what direction the organization goes in. And we will have you covered for all of that here at Locked on Rockets. But for today's episode, that's going to be where we wrap things up for. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.